Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Papa, I just honor your way today over my way. I just honor the delivery of your heart today. We just position our hearts right now to receive your heart. And Papa, I just pray a protection over our hearts that we won't be triggered today so that we miss it. And so we just receive as grateful children your fathering over us today. In Jesus' name. I loved what Aaron talked about, the end too. It made me excited. God gave me a word when I listened to both of them that I'm going to give to you today. Um, I've been talking about maintaining an open heaven and uh, I fully intended to talk about it again today and it might I might be talking about that, but I don't think I am, but we don't know yet. Um, but then Tessa wrote what the word that she wrote went along with this word that God gave me and then um, Cece and I are kind of really team preaching today, so she has, an amazing word that she doesn't know it yet, but it all goes together. She's just believing me, though. She's back there stretching her back or something. Are you getting more coffee or are you stretching your back? We were we rode the waves hard. <laughs> Cracked ourselves around a little bit. <laughs> that You know, whenever the red flag's out, you know, it means it's really high. And so we just went out there anyway. Um, I just want to lay a little foundation for what I'm going to share with you today. Um, and I made a couple of slides. Actually, I, I made them before uh, I even went on our trip. So um, it's, it starts with number five there, Sid Woe. Um, I feel like what God showed me is t- today is going to be in a seed form. And this is um, from the book that I've been reading, Open Heavens. It says, there's an oak tree in the acorn. And faith sees the oak tree in the acorn. This helps us to live in the fear of God where it is needed most, stewarding well what He has put in our charge. You know, depending on where you started your Christian journey, um, there are some obstacles you've had to overcome, even though you knew about God, you loved Him, you believed in Him. Um, Depending even on what religion that you were raised in, that religious structure created, I think, what Chrissy describes as a stricture. You know, how she describes that she used to work for this doctor and they would have to expand with a balloon inside your body to break open your poop flow. Honestly, that's what it's about. Everything returns back to poop. Jesus talked about it. I'm going to read it today just to prove that I'm not the only one. And so, just kind of like what Aaron said, 
breaking that stricture, expanding that belief, your balloon is unto something. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking this morning, Lenny had mentioned that this chapter in the book triggered her and triggered some people. I didn't, I don't, I didn't read the chapter yet, so I didn't enjoy your trigger. But, um, and my, my thought, my thought was that, um, I hope we're mature enough to be able to read someone's story and not act like we need to repeat it. It's kind of like a good recipe. You know, I like to cook and I like to make it better. You know, I don't even need a recipe. I just throw, I just look at stuff. Lynn loves how I cook and, you know, we, we cook and we do prophetic oppositely where I just throw it all on the, I just throw it all up there and just see where, and she likes a little more structure. She likes to follow a recipe. You know, she likes to measure it. She measures everything. I don't measure nothing, (laughs) but you know, I'm always, that's just the different nature and our giftings in God often flow the same way. That's why the the prophetic needs the apostolic covering because I don't need a recipe. And the prophetic, you know, otherwise the prophetic will turn pathetic. They'll start to feel sorry for themselves, much like Elijah did, because they'll get focused on the wrong part. And so I was thinking, I, I just jotted down a couple of things that, um, Bill said, and, and so I want to finish this little slide though. So he's talking about revival. The next slide, it says revival is most often given in that manner, manner in seed form. So I'm delivering a word today that's in seed form. And it's just with the eyes of faith. You know, one of the things that Bill said is that why it's so important if you haven't listened to his message from Sunday, it's really powerful about the renewing of your mind and why it's so important that our carnal mind is actually an enemy to God. So that means everything and see, you have to, you have to be able to figure out with God, with help, hopefully from someone else. My job in giving you the seed today is not to determine this part for you. You have to go out and search out a matter. So I'm giving you a seed and you have to determine whether you're receiving it from a carnal nature. Because he said that God spends every day of your life trying to remake your mind. Because it's within the sanctified imagination. Do you know what sanctified means? It means... Uh, restoring something to its purest form. God is spending your days on earth, returning you back to your... Now, once you're returned into that purest form, then you begin to operate in pure faith. Your life doesn't end then. It actually begins to do the impossible then. Right now, you're just trying to get over everything that triggers you. As I'm talking, you either get triggered. I love what he said. Another thing he said in the in his book is great. It said he finds it interesting that many of the manifestations that we were told would offend the unbeliever only offended the believer who was unwilling to change. 
Now, what I'm saying today, you're going to have to re-listen to because I'm going to say it too fast, too much, too much goodness. You can't get it all. Okay, that's just the reality of where, because I've been off, and so I have a lot of goodness stored up. So this is just the way it happens for you, okay? And so your job as a good son and daughter is to hear the bundle and then go home and sort the laundry with your neighbor or your mentor or somebody. And so part of the sanctified imagination, and this this is a precursor, I'm just telling you for what he's going to do in 2022, is that he said it's like the banks of the river, the sanctified imagination gives a boundary for the true faith to flow down through. So that means that our faith only flows when our mind's renewed. And so that's why it's so important that this mind gets remade, right? Right. Chrissy's word today is just going to blow your ever-living socks off. Another, it's it's another really perfect context for what God is leading. He's he's a leader, and we're a follower, right? And so he's what he does is he entices us to come to something we aren't yet. The proverbial, you know, carrot out on a stick and you want to carry it. Think about what you want the most. And he's holding out a way to, to receive that. And see, what has happened is, is that the th- our things that we want the most had to be remade. You know, I was telling Chrissy yesterday, she said something about, I just wish I had a little more confidence. Well, I think, I said, well, I think your definition of confidence is wrong. I said, your definition of confidence has to be that it's okay you don't know. See, we we thought confidence meant what I know. No, confidence is that he knows and I don't know. That's my confidence. And that's really hard for us when we think confidence is how we feel. And see, I don't get up here because I'm confident in my ability. I'm confident in who he is. And, he, and, and I honestly, yielding is the greatest weapon that you have in life. Yeah. And do, do you know how to yield really? I mean, that's really a weapon against the enemy is because the, the enemy can't touch you when you're yielded. Right. So anyway. So this is why I wrote this morning. This isn't my word, though, but. Um, the reason why I wrote this, CC had CC, and I'm I'm preaching CC and Shooty's dreams, and then I wrote a word about what they said. But to see if y'all can put it all together. To me, you know, I was telling her yesterday that it's like if you just pick a picture on the wall, then I can tell that there's pieces to that are different colors of this puzzle that I'm delivering today. But I can't see how they all go together, but I just get up here and talk, even though I don't know how they all go together. And see, it just depends on how much you need to know how much it goes together. That's how much that will be a stricture for you, will be a restriction for you. I don't have that restriction because I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care if everybody understands it. I don't, that's not my part. And see, you've got to know your role. But anyway, so I wrote this. So anyway, no, Cece had a dream. And in the dream, it was really interesting because um, we were getting a bunch of new bicycles from Sean Foyt. And we were getting 70. 
Again, this goes along with 2022. Just be ready. And But what was cool was Cece was trying to discover something and she she did something a certain way in the dream just to discover that wasn't a good way to do it. And can I tell you, that is a word for 2022. You're going to have to be willing to do something and not even do it right and learn from not doing it right and redo it. So if you are hung up on needing to do it right, 2022 is going to pass you by. And you're going to, you're just going, it's going to mess you up. Okay. All right. Because see, you know, some stuff that I preached 10 years ago is archaic to me now. But it's what I knew then. It was cutting edge. Listen, don't be Elijah. God's the cutting edge guy. And he's got people all over the planet. Don't act like we're the only people. And and the important thing is to realize what we're called to do as a tribe. We're not called to do everything. All of your great ideas that you have that you want to bring to me and tell me that we should do those, those are just your great ideas. I know what he's called us to do. See, you have to understand, I got the seed 40 years ago. You didn't get this seed. This worship team is a fulfillment. They're a tree of a seed that I planted before they were born on the planet. Well, not Chrissy, but before they she was born again for sure before they were born the plant right? right and so now they're a tree so now they're planting seeds prophetically of things that are not yet a tree yeah. right let's go to the next one a sobering lesson about the nature of the seeds that god plants in our lives is found in the parable of the seed of the sower that's my favorite parable so i have that seed and tess has been going to replant that for four years a sobering lesson about the nature of the seeds that god plants in our lives is found in the parable of the seed and the sower do you know it yes. next for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word wow. so see i'm giving you a seed today and there is going to be a test on the seed. Yes. See, we don't, we don't even, we're so wimpy, really, aren't we? I mean, like, we want it all to be easy, right? It's, it is easy with Him, but you've got to do the right stuff with the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do I have one more? In gray? What's the next one? The Word of God is His seed. And that seed attracts conflict. <laughs> That's how you know if you're operating in the Word. See, but see, conflict is meant to to, to show you that the victory's already won. If if you avoid conflict, you miss the chance to experience victory. And you need to experience victory because you need to know you're an overcomer. I know you're an overcomer. Your overcoming days are not over. There's more to overcome. Let's don't just live trying to not get triggered. Let's live to express who He is. So I wrote this. There's a place in God that He's drawing us with all His ways into knowing Him in a new way. I can sense that, for instance, when our season of time comes on the earth, like when Jesus said, my time has come, then all the prep we've been doing is for the delivery unto this something. So, okay, 
Jesus was the example. Jesus knew his mission. Right? Do you agree? I'm going to read you a little thing today about Jesus that I don't think you know. That will blow your mind about how precise and how important it was to him that he stuck to his mission. See, there are more needs on this planet than you will meet. So if you're driven by the needs of people, you'll miss the heart of God. Because God designed you, fashioned you, equipped you, planted you, strategically stuck you where he, his assignment is fulfilled in you. That's why the enemy makes us want to hop around and jump around and be... We, we think when we're mad at our job, it's time to move on. That's what we think. When we don't like customer service, we think it's time to go to a new place. See, any sort of discomfort... Oh, that means... Oh, that means... Oh, I'm getting away from you. That's what we do. No, that's the time to press in. That's the area that's been illuminated to you that you have the power to change it. Because you just experienced it. It's not time to avoid and shift. It's time to press in and change it. That's practice ground. So if we hear the word from God, we hear something, just like I was talking about the book, and we get triggered, we're now in a triggered state. That's one thing. Now does God, He don't leave us there. He's so nice. But God, it didn't say He'll take us from trigger to trigger. Come on! He said from glory to glory. So the word that I hear from him in the trigger state is for me to get over being triggered, but that is not my calling. That makes us feel like we got a lot of momentum sometimes. Like, wow, I'm getting so much healing. No, you just got triggered and you just got over it. Yes, that's great. And we want to. It's kind of like learning to poop in the, in the pot. That's what we're great when we get out of diapers. That's all that is. My ability to hear something and not offend me. That's next level maturity. Next level maturity will cause us to hear with new ears. I'm fixing to deliver something to you today that you need to hear with new ears. So if, if you're already triggered right now, then you're still just hearing with those same ears. And you'll miss. It's no fun to be triggered, is it? It is an indicator of what? That there's there's not a seed there. There's not a tree growing. It's open open season. (laughs) It's wide open. The enemy can throw any old thing in there. See, if I got a tree planted there. I'm just helping you. We have to hear with new ears, see with new eyes into what our true God design assignment is really about. So wouldn't the outcome of what I hear in this state of yieldedness be different than just a healing word for me personally? Yes. 
healing words for me are are vital. Right? I just said he's great. He's a great dad. Right? He knows what we need. But really, that's just think that can't be the function of Christianity. Was Jesus triggered? I say Jesus wasn't triggered because he knew who he was. He was 12 when he told his family, don't you know I'm going to be about my father's business? I was real young when I said that. Don't you know I got a call on my life? Don't you know I no, I cannot go and do that with you, young friend of mine. I have a call on my life I have to protect. Y'all didn't protect your call. And so now you're getting over what happened while you weren't protecting the call. But guess what? It's unto something. You're moving into your God assignment. Your time is coming. Okay. Is that the last one of those? Let me look. I got two more. Okay, give them to me. And the way we navigate that conflict determines the measure of breakthrough we are able to enjoy. What's on the opposite side of breakthrough? A stronghold. Right? That's what a trigger is. You just hit a stronghold with your hip. And your response to that is either, my response is that stronghold needs to go. That's going to make a, a room one day, a ceiling and walls, stronghold. We're, we are encompassed because, see, he made us to be free. And so there's going to be conflict with the word I'm giving you. I'm just telling you up front, you should know that every time you come into a corporate training session, that when you leave the room, you're going to have a hard time. Hey, you better get that in its oak tree segment of soil of your heart because there's going to be conflict that comes and it's going to try to talk you out of it. Depending on where you came from to this training session, whatever religion or worldly mindset you had, those are strictures to the conflict. The conflict happens. Whether you know it or believe it or not, it happens. Okay, let me break it down. So if you don't know God, and it's just like people who come in here, this is a mature house. I don't even preach about salvation. I mean, how many went to church and every week you heard about salvation and that was it? I'm on next level. I'm like, okay, we've come come through the door. Surely there's something we're supposed to do with our lives instead of just getting saved every week. This is good news. But say someone comes in and they aren't saved. They just know something's going on over here, right? You know, COVID knocked all those people out because they're like, well, I just have to watch it on TV now, right? They don't understand what why there's a gathering. You get it. You get why you've got to be present. You get it that there's a different presence when you're present than when you're watching it on the square, right? And so when someone comes in and they don't know God, a little bit of seed is very weighty. It is. 
And they, they didn't, if they didn't make room in their heart for it, it's just like the parable of the seed. The enemy comes by walking down the stairs. The enemy will be, this is a stupid place. They got 29 stairs. Yeah, mom never come back here. These 29 stairs. I mean, you just never know. He just comes in in the strangest ways. You don't even know it. He comes in and tells y'all crazy stuff. It's the same voice. It's the conflict. One more. It's not a test of punishment. It's a test of mercy. If we are given more than we can bear it, it will break us. If we are giving more, given more than we can bear, sorry, it will break us. That didn't sound right at first, did it? I was like, that didn't sound right. If we are given more than we can bear, it will break us. But if we are given what we have, the character to manage, it will establish us. So who knows that? He's good. That's a good father, right? He knows that. So even though it feels stretching to you, even though you feel like stretch Armstrong every now and then, it's not to him. Your next level depends on this stretching. See, listen, I, I see the seed, but I see what it's supposed to be. My job is try to help you keep the seed covered up long enough that it has time to die and bear fruit because the fruit's not for you. You're picking fruit off my tree right now today. Someone's picking fruit off your tree. You got some trees and you got some fruit. You know how when, you, when someone begins to irritate you, they just picked all your fruit off. That's all the fruit you had that day. <laughs> you maybe just had one little apple. That's it. And they got it. And they're over there. Nyang, nyang, nyang. And you're like, ah, no, you, I got to get away from you. That, what's fruit? Patience. Patience with people who have no fruit. They are eating your fruit. You thought they were giving you some fruit, didn't you? See, that's about, that's that level of maturity is that I come into a situation thinking it's going to give to me. And I get a little disappointment. No one's over here encouraging me, telling me, bragging on me, telling me what a good employee I am, how good I'm doing, showing up on time, making the coffee, being friendly. Oh, oh. And they're just picking your fruit. When did you give me a cup of coffee? They're looking at you to see when you're going to wait on them. We all do this. Yes. You know, I went to a hotel where they served me room service, and when I got up this morning, they didn't come in. <laughs> they didn't come in. That dog was barking over the kennel earlier, and I wanted to get up. I had to slumber myself into the kitchen and get my own tea. They didn't bring me the little special pot with my special water, with my special drink, and... And say, please, here's your muffin. <laughs> it's not real life. We don't live in the room service world. So before I read this word, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Okay, I have four. I woke up yesterday morning and I heard him say, 
find the lost sheep. And I knew that was in the Bible. Did you know it was in the Bible? So let's turn there, Matthew 10. Matthew 10 is when Jesus sends out the 12. Where did he send them out to? Let's read about it, shall we? Jesus gathered the 12 disciples. This is in the Passion Version. Imparted to them authority. When Jesus, when you came to know Jesus, this is the first thing you got from Jesus. I know you thought it was just to avoid the hot place. But Jesus imparted to you authority from that day forward to now. You have been learning how to wield your authority. That was freely given to you. This earth, this life is about how well you distribute his presence. And that comes through your authority. Your authority to bind on earth what doesn't look like heaven. If you haven't been to heaven... You're going to let things go on on earth that are not heavenly. And things that are not heavenly on earth create more chaos for people. Do you hear me today? You were given authority and you were planted on a plot of land on earth to exercise and practice this authority. Your sword's way bigger than the strength in your arm. So you need to do some exercises to strengthen the faith it takes to will the authority that was freely given to you. Jesus hadn't even died yet. It wasn't about his death. See, the power to will the authority came with your resurrection. So you have authority. You also need some power. Otherwise, you're just dragging around a big old heavy sword. (laughs) Clinking it on people. Slashing tires as you go by. Giving people headaches instead of healing them. He imparted to them authority to do this. Cast out demons and heal every sickness before his death. The authority, the right. You have the right to dislodge the enemy from every person, every territory, every place. And you know when you go into a place whether it has more authority than you. When you go into a place and you're like, oh, it feels bad. It has more power than you. I wish it was different, but that's just the reality. Are you going to be offended? Great. Just check in. So you're going to have to change. You're going to have to change why you're going to a place. You're going to have to change why you're going to work, why you're going to Target.
Now he names the, uh, the, we don't need to read that, their names. You can look in there. Verse 5. This is interesting instructions Jesus gave to his 12 disciples. Don't go into any Gentile or Samaritan territory. Go instead and find the lost sheep of Israel. It's pretty specific, wasn't it? Don't be hanging out with none of them Gentiles. We're just here for the Jews. He was pretty specific. Wasn't he? And of course, it's great all he says. You can read the rest of it. Go and heaven's kingdom is accessible. Who's he talking to? Twelve disciples. He's sending them out to who? The Jews, right? Let's jump over to Matthew 15. Now, Matthew 15 is interesting. I hope I blow your mind a little bit today. You want to be blown a little bit? He starts out, the Pharisees and religious scholars came, and they started questioning Jesus about what his disciples do, right? Were the Pharisees and religious scholars Jews? Good. This is a history lesson. Y'all are doing so good today. You thought that was a true question. I know some of you didn't answer on purpose. <laughs> you didn't want me to say, gotcha. Yeah. They were Jews. So that's, that's where they were talking to those people, right? And he goes on and he talks about eating bread and all the different things and what's permissible and not, right? And he goes down, let's, let's jump on down. He talks about the empty traditions and all that. And he said, verse 10, he turned to the crowd and said, Come and listen and open your heart to understand. What truly contaminates a person is not what he puts in his mouth, but what comes out of his mouth. That's what makes people defiled. Because they were all questioning about, you know, them not doing certain things with all their foods and stuff. And so the disciples approached him and said, Don't you know what you just said offended the Pharisees? Of course, Jesus answers that question directly like Jesus does. Every plant is how he starts out the sentence. Every plant that my Heavenly Father didn't plant is destined to be uprooted. Seeds. This should give you great hope for people that don't know God. I rely on these promises. Every plant that God didn't plant. Because all people are God's people. They're all God's little children. That's why you either focus on what everybody's doing and not doing, or you focus on your assignment. Let me help you. Jesus demonstrated what to do. Stay away from them, for they are nothing more than blind guides. Do you know what happens when a blind man pretends to guide another blind man? They both stumble into a ditch. Starts out with a plant, ends on a blind man. That was religion. Where some of you came from. All those plants he's had to go through your little garden. Same way if you came from the world, you are a garden. 
You got stuff in there? Yeah. See, because you are meant to bear fruit, and the fruit is in keeping with love. So God has to uproot everything that's not love. Because only love produces fruit. I'm just helping you. See, we get all nervous about the uprooting process. It doesn't really matter how it happened. He's still going to uproot it. You want him to. Maybe every single thing in your garden had to be uprooted. Doubtful, but it may feel that way. Yeah. Let him. Yes. We wrestle with him when he's like, I actually have something else. I have an entire oak tree farm to plant in you to produce so much acorns. It's enough to sustain a whole tribe. And you're just want to hang on to your one weed. All you can do with the weed. That's it. That's it. It's not fruit. Let them tell you what they want. It's just good for one thing. Slowing the whole world down. And so then Peter spoke up, of course, because he didn't understand. Aren't you thankful for Peter? He's the real man. Will you explain what you're talking about? <laughs> we thought we were talking about some religious offense. Now we're talking about plants and blind people. And I love the loving Jesus here in verse 18. Even after all that I've taught you in these previous 14 chapters, you still remain clueless. It's the loving Jesus. Is it hard to understand that whatever you eat enters the stomach only to pass out into the sewer? See, I told you Jesus talked about poop right there. There it is. But what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Words pollute, not food. Why is he telling them this? At the beginning of the chapter, who was talking? Who was using all the words? He's trying to tell them what they're saying is polluting you. Get away from it. It's in conflict with what I'm saying. The I am is speaking. This happens to you all all the time. This creates the conflict you now have. You will find living within an impure heart evil ideas, murderous thoughts, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lies, slander. That's what pollutes a person. Eating with unwashed hands doesn't defile anyone. So again, the religious spirit is always looking for something to adjust, some clothing to adjust or some piece of food to adjust. He's like, man, you're just like whitewashed walls, right? So... This next little bit, though, is what I really want to talk about today. This is the Syrophoenician woman. Verse 21. When Jesus left and went north into a non-Jewish region of Lebanon. Now, what did he tell them in chapter 6? Mm-hmm. He entered 
he encountered there a Canaanite woman who shouted at him. Now, let me give you a little history lesson. This woman was from the same region that Jezebel was from. Jezebel is the queen who instigated bell worship. Now, let's read on and I'll tell you a little more about that. Who shouted at him, Lord, son of David, show mercy to me. My daughter is horribly afflicted by a demon that torments her. But Jesus never answered her. Why? What did I read in Matthew 6? He knew his assignment. Oh, that messes us up. Jesus knew his assignment more than we do. We're trying to be all things to all people. And Jesus wasn't even. I hope this message you have seen... The problem with us being unable to fulfill our purpose is because we think our purpose is everything. I see it. That's why we read every book, why we talk to every ministry, why we watch everything we can possibly find. Because why? We want to be the jack of all trades, but we are the master of nothing. Pick a lane. Did you know one life has a lane? I haven't moved from this lane longer than you've known me. I'm just trying to see who else will get in the lane. But everybody wants to stay in their own lane and reach over and touch you in the lane. I like what you're doing over there. I mean, it showed a lot of honor for Aaron and Cheryl to both talk about what I've been talking about. They could t- I didn't. I did not tell them what to talk about. I didn't even ask them to tell me what they were talking about. But what did they do? They honored the lane that we were in. They carried with it the mission that we're trying to to maintain an open heaven. So they went and discovered more about the lane. They just weren't over there going, "I like what you're doing, but I'm going to do my own thing over here. I'm going to say my own thing over here." The hardest thing in life as a leader is to get everyone on the same page. What could we do? The power in the doing for the kingdom is being unified. That's the power. Everybody can go do their own thing. Everybody can show up whenever they want. Everybody can decide if they want to be involved with something they don't have to. Everything's a volunteer in the kingdom. But will you give up what you think you are going to be? Will you lay down your life every day? So he didn't answer her. And so then the disciples again, because they're they're the keeper of Jesus, clearly. (laughs) Jesus, don't you know you're offending the Pharisees now? Now don't you know some woman's hollering at you? Why are you ignoring this woman who's crying out to us? At least they had enough presence of mind not to answer her themselves. Let's give them a little kudos, right? They're like, Jesus didn't do anything. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't either. Let's see what Jesus thinks. It's a novel idea, right? 
And Jesus said, I've only been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. 25 is the kicker. But she came and bowed down. What's that a sign of? It's the true sign of worship. True worship got his attention. Not the hollering. And she said, help me. Lord, help me. And then he responded to her. It's not right for a man to take bread from his children and throw it to the dogs. Now, I've got stuck there for years. It sounded so mean. But when you look up that word dog, it really means something different. It means little dog. (laughs) Not a big dog. It sounds mean, doesn't it? See, are we offended? No. Oh, we almost were. I felt it. I felt some of y'all getting offended at Jesus. Jesus is trying to describe, I know my purpose. I know what I'm called to. Because in that day and time, those people were not who he was called to. He was just stating a point of fact. But undeterred, because why? The need in her heart was greater than the ability to be offended. Are we? Really, are we? I mean, we're so fragile that anybody, just any form of sort of semi kind of rejection, we're like, I'm out of here. But she's like, you're right. Yeah, I don't know what you're going to call me, but Lord, even puppies get the crumbs. Clearly, we should be feeding our puppies crumbs. That's the message here. Even puppies get the crumbs that fall from the prince's table. And then Jesus said, dear woman, your faith is strong. What always moves God? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. In that moment, Jesus stepped out of his assignment. And he says, what you desire, you will have. It was her desire Why was this woman even in this situation? I propose to you, it's found, and I don't have time to read it all, but in Jeremiah 50, it talks about this word from Jeremiah is crying out, talking about how this bell worship got established and what it did to people. And it even talked about two names, that one was the rebellious God and one was the chief Babylonian deity. That's the region. That's what she was taught. She was taught bell worship. She was taught to worship to stuff, to sun and moon and all these created things. But somewhere along the way, because her daughter was so tormented, it wasn't even about her. What was her need? Her need was, I can't fix her. These gods I serve can't fix her. I've gotten to a desperate place and I've just heard about this man. 
I've heard the stories. And even though Jesus was just passing through, it was her humility and the desire was so great in her heart that she said, you've got something left over for me. I love that because in Ezekiel 34, it talks about true shepherds. And, and in that chapter, these are two chapters you can read later, Jeremiah 50 and Ezekiel 34. And it talks about how God desired that people be shepherded by parents and by leaders. But he couldn't find any. It says he couldn't find any. And so he became the shepherd. And see, that's what this woman encountered. She encountered what she really needed. Her daughter needed shepherding. Her daughter needed healing. She couldn't get it for herself. And so in that moment, do you understand that, that that's the culmination of Jesus' life? He said, I will not get distracted. I will not. I will pursue my one thing. But along the way, he didn't shut down his whole ministry and then they decided, okay, now we're going to go to all these people. But he was moved by what? He was moved by the faith. And what was the faith? Where did it come from? It came from the need. See, today you have to realize that there are things that Papa has put in our hearts. I mean, when we come and we lay down our life before him, he burns up all of the dross. But what remains? How are we going to steward the seed? How are you going to stir the seed of need? How are you going to stir this seed of need? We want to just kill them all off. But it was the it was the need within her that says, I have got to have this. This you are the only answer for me. You're the only answer. And I will bow low and I will say, just a, a little crime is enough. So here's my word. Who will lead the processional of the brides to the wedding feast? Who will be the virgin with their lamps trimmed, oil purchased, watching, alert? Who will become the teacher to the many? Who will move from a place of learning only for themselves? to learning for the masses. I tell you today that the harvest is upon you. Have you the tools to train the brides who became something else to rebride themselves? Have you learned enough to become the sons of the sun? Did you purchase ISAV, white garments that I instructed? Who will teach and shepherd the orphans, the lost ones? Who today will say to me, say to this divine union, I'm enough because he who lives in me has made me enough. I lack nothing. Who will move from striving for the one to yoking with Jesus?
who will move from the orphan heart of lack to the sonship status of abundance. It is for my son and the sons of the son that I made the way. I made the way through my son for you to be a son, to show the wayward sons the way. I made a heart of purity in you to show the distracted brides how to fall in love with the bridegroom again, my son. I wanted you and want you to show the distracted daughters that they are actually brides in waiting, waiting for the bridegroom king to come and arrest their hearts with intimacy, love, and power. Can you show them the way? When they didn't have someone to show them the way, do you know I raised you up? It was my hand that selected you. It was not your decisions. It was always my leading. Will you abandon today your doubt, your fear? And will you come and walk on the waves with me? Will you see the waves as I see them? Will you abandon your orphan, self-protective lenses for my eyes to see? I made others to watch you. I have led others to follow you. Can you see it? Are you alert and ready for my coming, for my outpouring, for my spirit's visitation? Do you see that my spirit is hovering now over the chaos of this generation? You are not a mistake. You are not too late. You are not lost. You have been found. You have been found so that you can find the lost, so that you can point them to the way, because you've got the map. The ache of my children is known to me. I hear the cries of the ones I made. And I prepare in advance the ones who can take my instructions, my gifts, my anointing, my assignment, and go into the nations of this world and display my glory for my glory. So settle in your heart today who you are. Pursue what makes you my chosen one. And I will empower you. I will anoint you. And I will lead the way. Come on, Mendel. She's going to share her word with you. It's a powerful word, isn't it? So as Tisa said, you know, she told you the answer to the who question. All the who questions at the beginning, who is you? It's each one of us. It's who is going to do all of those things. And we are who he's preparing 
for that very purpose. So in my preparation process, I'm being prepared just like you are. And, you know, I've, I made a commitment to him that I would share a lot of my journey with you guys in a rather vulnerable way to just because I want um, the encounters that I have to be available to each of you. And I love the way that that Cheryl opened up her word um, last Sunday, um, saying that very thing, you know, right up right up front that the encounter she had, her heart was for you to have it, for us to have the same encounter. And that's always my desire when I share these words with you that are, I take you through my process and uh, I don't leave any words out. Just like she said about that David wrote in the Psalms, you know. And so uh, my desire is that you would have an encounter like I had yesterday. But when I say that, I realize that each person's encounter is personal. And so I would say my encounter yesterday that Papa and the Holy Spirit were unveiling something to me that I could tell was a stretching and it was pushing against a rather large stronghold in me. Your stronghold might be a little bit different, but either way, I suspect that this word will be pushing against trying to break a stronghold that in you, even though it may be a little bit different than mine. And so as Tisa said, my confidence is that I don't have to understand how this applies to each and every person, but I'm just going to share with you my process, and I think you'll see how it relates to the word that Tisa shared today and how ultimately this is, this is one step of him preparing us to be the who in the word that Tisa shared. You know, we're, we are essential to his plan. We're essential, and we're each very, very personal, personally intricately designed tools for his purposes. And so the sanctification process that he takes us through is preparing us to be the who. So I didn't know any of this yesterday. You know, I didn't know what Tisa was going to preach on. But I had a desire in my heart, and I had a longing for, as often rises up in me, is that I'll have this longing for the more of him, just this, this deep, desperate desire for, to experience the more of him, to experience his nature, the very mind of Christ in me on a more regular basis, because I have those periods of time. It could be you know, 22 out of 24 hours in a day, or it could be two hours of a day where I know I'm, I'm not experiencing his presence the way that he made it available to me. And I want that. I want that. And so I was just you know, presenting myself to be with him yesterday, and I started writing about this desire. I said, how extravagant is your design I want to know your hope. Renew my mind. Renew my mind, Jesus. Renew my mind. All my hope is in you. I know that you hold it all. All my hope is in you. I know you have it all. Every drop of peace, every bit of wisdom that I seek, I know it's in you. I know you have it all. No matter where I travel, no matter the situation that arises in this life, I know you hold the answers. I know you have pure sight. I want to see like you. I want to feel like you do. I want to hear like you. 
I want all of me to be aligned with you. Take my dreams and shape them into yours. Take my heart and shape it into yours. Make a place in me for all of your dreams to rest. Make a place in me for all your promises to be stored. Shape me, remake me, renew my mind, renew my mind, revise every instruction it's ever been given until it operates in the purity of your design. Papa, I need your promises to speak in me, to hold more weight than the lies that still speak. I need your renewal. I'm desperate for your renewal. Revise me, remake me into the daughter you've called me to be. How do I take this desire in me and express it to you more purely? How do I take this longing and cry out to receive it more fully? How do I pursue the more of you when I'm already doing all that I know to do? Am I missing your leading? Am I missing your teaching? What else can I do? What else do you need of me to receive you more fully? How do these fleeting moments become my normal? How do I receive you more fully? How is this done? What more do you need of me? How else can I receive the more of you? How else can I live on the foundation you've prepared for me? How can my feet be trained to stay in this one place? Help me, please, to renew my mind. And I heard Papa say, daughter, daughter, my delight is in you. Sometimes it's all you need to hear. It brings peace to the storm. Daughter, daughter, my delight is in you. All my promises overshadow you. All my promises overshadow you. My rainbow over you is complete. It arches over all you see. Every place you rest your feet. Daughter, daughter, my delight is in you. I said, take me higher, Papa. Take me higher. Lift me up above these fractured truths. Lift me higher. I want to see like you. Place my feet on the solid foundation of your truth. And he said, daughter, daughter, my delight is in you. Daughter, daughter, my delight is in you. You hold a promise for me too. You are the recovered treasure I sought after. You are more valuable to me than you know. Your heart, your desires, your dreams, your delights are all treasures to me. I hold them as precious, sacred jewels in your design. I see them sparkle, the ones you try to hide. I hold them nearer when you're believing the lies. I keep them safe. I won't let them fade. Daughter, daughter, my delight is in you. All you treasure, I do too. Take your dreams and hold them higher. Take your dreams and shout them louder. Paint them with all your colors. Whatever you do, don't try to make them smaller. Don't squash the dream. Make it bigger. I am speaking in your desires. I am breathing through the things you are hesitant to speak of, to hold on to. 
to wish for. Hopelessness makes for a poor visual. It's not the lens I've given you. I keep these dreams alive in you because I will be displayed in just that way. I will be displayed in the dreams you hold on to. I will come alive in the things you keep alive in you. Don't squash or squander the desires I've given you. They are rich with blessing, rich with truth. I will enrich you through them. I will be enriched in your environment through them. I will be displayed through the dreams you dare to dream. I made you with childlike faith and childlike confidence. It's a matter of fact for those whose hope hasn't been chiseled away. Don't relent to the voice of hopelessness. Don't allow it to steal your dreams. Don't let it tarnish what I'm creating in you. I'm the dream maker, even today. I'm the one keeping those wishes alive in you. I'm the one breathing on them, giving them life. That's why it's so relieving to finally express them. You smother the life I've given you inside when you try to deny the dream within. It robs you of color when you try to deny them. It turns your inner world to black and white shades of gray instead of living, moving, breathing color. There's no safety in the lesser things. There's no security or stability to be found in hoping for less or lowering your standard. There's no life in it. There's nothing but death and hopelessness. Don't let it tarnish the dream within. I gave you that desire. I have refined you with fire. It would not remain if it was all meant to be burned away. I want to stop and comment here that, you know, this is why the Holy Spirit has to be the lead in this process of sanctification. Because in truth, at the beginning of our journey, we have a lot of priorities out of order. We have a lot of desires out of order. We have things in the place where God's meant to be. And so there is a stage where we lay it all down. And there's a stage where we have to continuously be in conversation with him, continuously be open to his tweaking and refining. But there are times when it's, it's just not a formula. It doesn't mean we lay everything down. It doesn't mean we want to be so, when it says to die to self for the flesh to die, it doesn't mean he wanted to literally kill you off. He wanted parts of you to be, he made you a certain way. He wants parts of you to remain. So it can be confusing because quite frankly, I think we're a lot more comfortable with the hard and fast rules, right? And formulas. But there are things we we lay down, and if they're still there after the refining fire, then it's something he doesn't want us to ignore or to belittle or try to deny. So the Holy Spirit has to be in that process with us continuously. And that's what he was speaking to me here about, is that I realized that sort of subconsciously I had been trying to push aside certain things because I thought they were distractions. Because at one point in my journey, they were a distraction because they held, my heart was tethered to them in ways that weren't healthy. 
And so I, I laid those things down. I let him burn those tethers up. But if you remember, I shared a word several months ago that talked about when we, when we give him the tethers, then he chooses what remains and he chooses what stays in the garden. And the point of that was that when he tugged on that thing that he allowed to remain, we're meant to look at it. And so if we're still operating in our own understanding and trying to say, no, that thing's a distraction, then we're actually shutting him out, something he wanted to remain. And so this is a process in me that I, I didn't realize that I was doing, that I was trying to deny these certain things in me, these certain dreams and desires and wishes. And then he hadn't, re- he hadn't burned them up. He wanted me to look at them again and realize how much he speaks through those things in in me. So he said, take a look. Take a look at that place you so rarely visit these days. You are so scared to live in that place. Life has tried to teach you a hard lesson. It's tried to rain on your parade to shut you out of our garden place. But I won't have it. I won't stand for it. So much of your turmoil comes from what hasn't been burnt away. Not that it still needs it, but that it it has remained. It remains and waits for you to turn your gaze back to it. You struggle and strain not to live in that place. You've sectioned it off and called it dangerous. You've decided in your own mind that it was not meant for you and that it holds hurts and heartache that it leads you down a wrong path that was never meant for you. But it's not true. It's not true. This place of childlike imagination and free-flowing dreams is the very place that holds your safety and security. It's the place you seek. You seek what you avoid because it's been given a bad name. It's been labeled and proven a danger, so to speak. So you keep seeking for a new thing. All the while, I've protected and reinforced the place that's already been given. The place you seek, the way you dream. Come with me back into your mind, the mind of a child. It's full of fantasy and wonder. It's full of magical colors that are truly alive. They breathe life. Your lungs are full of the very thing you seek when you come to this place with me. He said, daughter, you could live here. Daughter, you were made for this. You were made to live and dream with me here. There's more to this than what you knew. You were scolded and scorned for treasuring what they could not see. But what if it was more than a dream? What if it was more than what they called fantasy? What if those words mean something different than what you thought? What if they were your source of oxygen, of peace, of confidence and security? You can come with me to this place. You can live in this place of wonder, of delight, of fantastical design. You can stay. You don't have to just visit and then walk away. Your safety and security, your stability, and the confidence in me that you need is not found in the laying low, in the shallow hopes of hopelessness. I have to read that again. Your safety and security, your stability, and the confidence in me you need is not found in the laying low, 
in the shallow hopes of hopelessness. The greater your dreams with me, the greater you'll taste of all you need. Your heart cries out for this. It knows its home. It knows the false narratives don't deliver what you were told. Come with me back to the place of enormous dreams. Let me teach you. Let me show you the freedom you'll feel within when you allow your dreams to breathe again. I want you to practice this in new ways. I want you to spend time dreaming with me, not when you're asleep, but when you're awake. You've said yourself that you receive so easily from me through your night dreams. What if the same were true from daytime dreaming too? Now for me personally, I know that by now in this encounter with him, I had figured out he was talking about this message of hopelessness that I was taught to find safety in not getting your hopes up. I would say, don't get your hopes up, you'll be disappointed. If you hope too big, you're going to get hurt, so don't do it. I mean, this was a very clear message to me growing up. And so in talking about my hopes and my imagination, I can tend to avoid hoping for things too much or imagining even what something I might hope for looks like. I might secretly, as if I'm talking to myself in my head, say, well, I really hope that would happen, but don't say it out loud. And don't even spend too much time thinking about it, what it would look like, because you might get your hopes up, and then you'll be disappointed, and you'll be hurt. And so I was taught to find safety and security and freedom from pain by not getting my hopes up. But he was telling me and showing me that that leads to a death in me, all of these encounters I've had with him have been times where my hope comes, gets really big. My imagination gets really big. And that's when I experience his presence. So I realized that I've been trying to live this life with him and be on this journey with him, but still operating within these boundaries I'd set up from those old teachings of avoiding hoping, of avoiding dreaming too big of avoiding getting my hopes up. And he said, daughter, you've been living on an island of exile when I've given you the promised land. I'm too big to live in such a small place. You won't experience my fullness in that place. You won't find the more of me on that island of exile. You weren't stranded there. You were told it was the safe place, but now you know that it is but a shadow of the greater thing. My life of abundance can't be found there. My life of abundance, of overflowing joy and delight, is found in the fullness of life as I designed. I am a creator. I made you to create, not in smallness, not in increments just on certain days, but in every moving, living, breathing moment of life. Now, for me personally, this applies in all sorts of ways. Now, back in September, the Holy Spirit started talking to me about our imaginations and the powerful, powerful tool of our imagination, which, of course, goes along with our creativity. And he's given me a whole download about imagination that I'll 
we'll hopefully share again some other time, but I know that this was a reinforcement to what he's already told me about how critical our imagination is and our, our, which goes along with our dreaming and our creating and bringing heaven to earth. So all of this goes together in, in this message that I know he's bringing us about the powerful tool he wants to operate and be alive in an operation in us of creativity of imagining, of dreaming, all of that goes together. So he told me some ideas to practice. He told me to practice writing outcomes in detail of what it would look like if that wish came true. What would it feel like if that dream came true? What would it sound like to actually write it out in detail? Spend time on it. Dive into it. Not just look at it out of the corner of your eye and hope no one notices. You know, <laughs> never admit it, but focus on it. He said, intentionally take time to stop and imagine. What does our new building look like? Imagine it. What does it look like? What will a person look like that comes to join us in one life? What will the next person you mentor or that follows after you, what will they look like? What will that first time you meet look like? He wants us to start imagining the things that are not yet with him. It's a critical, critical step in his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth. What will a certain destination look like? What will something feel like? What will it sound like? What will Saturdays at your next new house look like? And he told me I could also practice by imagining what a scene was like when I read scripture. Imagine what, this, what it felt like for the people in scripture. It's just calling our imagination, our dreaming, that creative process to life and to break it free from those restrictions. Now, this was one of the most powerful lines that he gave me yesterday. He said, break the strictures of unbelief by dreaming bigger dreams with me inflate them past the restrictions of doubt. Burst its borders by dreaming bigger dreams with me. Dream with me beyond your deficiencies. Hold me to a higher standard than your insecurities. Dream with me. Isn't that amazing? I know Tisa already mentioned it, but it's that picture. I'm sure that's why I spent years in that working for that doctor, and I would see this happen over and over again in the, in the physical man of the strictures from pain. The, the strictures formed as scar tissue from people who had injury after injury after injury at these different points in their intestines, and it developed scar tissue from injury, from pain. And it, the scar tissue built up so much that it caused a, a stricture. It caused a restriction in the, what was needed to flow through there. It caused a narrowing in what could flow. And the solution for this, it was amazing. When you would, we would, these patients would have colonoscopies, right? And we're going through, we'd see the stricture. We would insert a deflated balloon and inflate the balloon to the point that it would expand past it would put pressure on the stricture and it would break the scar tissue. And that's all that was needed. It was amazing. 
it would break the scar tissue. And just like that, that stricture was gone. That restricted area was gone and the flow was opened up again. So this is the picture he's saying, break the strictures of unbelief by dreaming bigger dreams with me. Inflate them past the restrictions of doubt. That means when, you, when you're when you dreaming for something and you're wishing for something and doubt starts to come in and speak and says, well, that's never going to happen. Well, there's no proof that that's ever going to happen. That means you dream bigger. You just make it bigger. In that moment, you make it bigger. Burst its borders by dreaming bigger dreams with me. Dream with me beyond your deficiencies. So again, when you feel, when you're dreaming something and you think, well, I could never do that or I would never, that would never happen in my life. Make it bigger. Inflate it even bigger. And this is so powerful to me because it's not about us. Because he says, hold me to a higher standard than your insecurities. Hold him to a higher standard than what you are are too insecure to feel confident for. Hold him to a higher standard to come through for you on that thing that you maybe have a, 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 a little bit of doubt or unbelief in there. Hold him to a higher standard. Dream with me. Dream with me. Now he went on to show me another element of how this was, how there's something in me that was working against this. Okay, a pre-existing teaching. It's, it's real subtle and it's real deep. Okay, I'm going to bring it and it'll apply to you. However, it applies to you. He said, you've been asking me to speak, to move, to show you the more of me, but you've relegated me to coming from outside your own imagination. And I know for me, that was because when I first came into this life, I didn't want anything to be me. I wanted it to be him. And so if I was, what if that was just me thinking of it? You know, well, I didn't want, I wanted it to be authentically him. And so I'm like, well, nope, it can't have come from me in any way, shape or form. I need you to come from outside my own imagination. Otherwise I might think it's me. And so, uh, and I wanted it to be him so badly, but I've relegated him to coming from outside the creation he made to flow through. He said, you've restricted my flow by outlawing my ability to speak, ability to speak through your imagination, your daydreaming. I've been restricted to a narrow flow when I have so much more I want to say, so much more I want to show you. Little by little, you've been allowing my ways to supersede the natural realm. It's time now for you to realize that you have been limiting my voice by elevating what's seen in the natural as validation of what I say. You say you believe the supernatural realm is above the natural, but you still hold the natural realm in this referee position. You have put a requirement on the supernatural that it must overpower the natural to be accepted as greater. But this reality is created in your own belief. Your requirement of me to overpower the natural creates a re it creates a reality where it has the greater power. So then the natural realm, it has the power 
to validate and the supernatural is subject to it. This creates a conflict within yourself, a double-mindedness that robs you of the experiences I'm trying to give you. It fuels the very thing you cry out to be free of. It creates the cloudy, chaotic existence that you long to leave behind. So I said, Papa, help me. Help me to receive and apply all you are saying to me today. I want to. I receive it all in faith. Help me to soak it into every part of me and to override all pre-existing ways of operating. Help me, Holy Spirit. Please bring this to my mind every time it applies. Convict me. Lead me. Instill all of this truth within me. I said, Papa, I want to I wanna restate what you've told me today because I want to get it. Yeah. Do you ever do that in person to person? You're like, well, let me repeat back to you because I want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly and then you can correct me. So I did that with Papa, okay? I said, I want to get this so badly. I think you've been saying today that I have overridden and discounted the ways you've shown to be life-giving for me. You've given me experience after experience of being filled to overflowing with your presence, your renewing breath, your healing touch, your energizing love that fills me with peace and security and confidence and boldness. I've treasured them all, but have relegated them to only being an occasional mysterious encounter. All the while, you've been showing me the types and ways of being that I could live in all of the time. You've been revealing an existence to me that you designed me to live in. You've been showing me a way that I can be that connects me to you more fully, a way I can be that connects me to all that I cry out for, that I need, that fills me and sustains me. You're showing me today, however, that bad training has convinced me to avoid operating in that connection. I've been convinced it was too dangerous and would lead to hurt and disappointment. All the while, of course, the opposite is true. You've made me to dream big, hope for big things, wish for the impossible. And when I do, I find the refreshing atmosphere of your presence that I'm always searching for. I just have to comment here that this is how I see it, okay? This is how I would practically apply this to me. I'm realizing that when my hope is attached, when I'm attached to the hope, to his hope, and his faith, and I allow it to be active in me, and I partner with it, and I dream with him in all of these ways, that's why I'm connected to his presence in that way. So I don't care how many years go by, if that thing that I dreamt of or created in my, created in my imagination or pictured, even if that doesn't look the same in so many years' time, as I may be imagined here, that in this time that's passing, I will be tethered to him. I will be partnered with him. And the things that he wants to breathe on and to create, I will be ready and positioned and, and you know, the, the pump will have been primed for my faith to operate with him in those things. And so that is the source. That's the connected source that I'm always asking for avoiding dreaming with him to try to protect myself and some sort of self-protection cuts me off from him. 
The enemy has lied to me and convinced me to avoid the very thing that will provide what I need. I experience more despair, more hurt, more pain, and even disappointment when I avoid holding on to dreams and wishing for the impossible. I suffer greatly in that state of mind, trying to deny what's in my heart to dream of, to desire. It's miserable. And it is a, a, a devastating, slippery slope downward into just misery and despair to cut yourself off from dreaming with him. That, of course, is the enemy's strategy to keep me forever in misery and disconnected from you. I've been hoodwinked, trained to avoid operating in the mind of Christ made available to me. My inner atmosphere will be filled with peace, joy, love, excitement, stability, and courage when I allow my heart to dream and desire with you. When I allow my imagination to speak, to breathe with you, I've been cutting myself off from all I need and the very thing I seek by avoiding what I was told was dangerous. Hopelessness. Avoiding hopeful thinking is not safety. It leads only to death of spirit and soul. It brings torment and misery. Therefore, the more I hope, the more I dream, the more I imagine with you, Papa, the more life and joy and peace I will have. Living afraid of dreaming, afraid of hoping for more, afraid of hoping for better, has created pain after pain that has left scar tissue around my heart. This scar tissue is made up of doubt and unbelief. It restricts the life of Christ within me. It restricts my own heart from beating and keeping with his. It creates its own pain in this restriction and leaves me bound to despair. I can break through those strictures of doubt and unbelief and bring freedom to my heart, freedom to Christ within me by dreaming bigger with you. The more I inflate the dream, the more I inflate the imagination, the more freedom I will experience. You are telling me to hold you to a higher standard than my insecurities. Wow. You are telling me that doing that will bring breakthrough and freedom. Doing the opposite will only bring death and despair as I have experienced. Not only are you giving me permission to hold you to a higher standard than my own insecurities, you are instructing me to. You are saying, this is the way out. This is the way to what you desire. You are saying, this is the way to the renewed mind. You're showing me today that one way I've been restricting your voice, your freedom in my life, is by allowing the natural realm to hold the validating position for what I've dared to dream. I've dipped my toe in the waters of what you're speaking of today. But then I wait for validation to come from the natural realm. It's as if I risk dreaming or declaring something into existence, but then I allow the natural realm, what I see in the natural, to confirm or deny if my risk worked or paid off. Yeah. 
I've been waiting for what's seen in the natural to confirm that I'm right in the supernatural. How backwards. Without realizing it, I've been elevating the natural realm above the supernatural realm. I've been giving it more authority. And this has created chaos and confusion and much turmoil within me. So I said, Papa, forgive me for elevating the natural above the supernatural, above the spiritual realm. Forgive me for requiring you to overcome it as if it were some standard you must abide by. You created the natural. It's not greater than you. You are the greater reality. I repent for this wrong belief and for holding on to it as I've asked to walk more deeply with you. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me in the right way. I choose right now with my will to accept and operate fully with the belief that the spirit realm is above the natural realm. I repent from avoiding the dreaming and desiring process with you, Papa. I repent. Forgive me for listening and honoring what fear said above what you have said and shown me over and over. I choose right now with my will to loose those wrong beliefs from my soul. Jesus, come and tether my heart to your love and truth in those exact places. And Papa, I say, I ask you that you would do just that in each person in the room or hearing this message, that you would do just that. Thank you that you said you will always honor our will, our choice. So when we choose with our will to break partnership with the things that you reveal to us that are holding us back, you you do, you honor them. And so please honor also the request to tether each person's heart to your truth and to your love so that we can all experience the more that we're hungry for with you. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your mercy, for your response to our faith. Thank you that you don't, you don't need us to even feel confident in operating in this new way yet, but you just need us to believe it and say yes to you. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would move through the room right now and make this word, this seed come alive. Make it come alive just like when Aaron shared his message about how the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumped when Mary opened her mouth. Make that seed jump in each person right now. Make that seed in that womb in each person's heart jump with life right now in response to this word. We say, come alive, come alive. We say yes to your seed, yes to your word, yes to the belief that our imagination and our creativity with you is the most powerful thing. It is what you you gave us to be like you. You desired us, Father. You desired us in your own heart before you ever created us. You imagined us in your own mind before you created us, and you're asking us just to do the same, to be who we are. You made us in your image. And so thank you for telling us today that we need to honor the desires in our hearts that remain after your purification. That's the beginning. That's the seed in itself for what you do when you come through and do the impossible. So we say yes to you. Thank you for reviving us and for resurrecting our desires, our godly desires. Thank you for resurrecting our godly desires today. 
Thank you for empowering us. Thank you that you never give a word that you don't give the grace and the power to do it and to partner with it. So we receive it in faith. We receive your grace. We ask for your grace and we receive it. We receive it today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Papa. You are such amazing, amazing partners in this life. You are all we've ever needed. You have all we've ever needed. And I thank you that you have just the way to give it to us and to make it come alive in us. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tie this back to Tisa's message just one more time. That woman, was it the Syrophoenician woman? Syrophoenician woman. She grew up in a system of hopelessness. She grew up in a system that said to worship other things besides God. But she had a desire for her daughter, a desire for her child, that she didn't let that hopelessness continue to speak over. I would propose to you that she had probably sought out everything that her culture had said could provide something for her and for her daughter. And it didn't work. And instead of just being relegated to those shallow hopes of hopelessness, she said she kept her hope alive. She kept her dream alive until she met the one that could make it happen. And it was her desire that she was unrelenting of that, that brought out Jesus commenting and saying, this is great faith. It moved the heart of God to make it a reality for her. So just remember, that's what we're talking about. He wants our desires, our godly desires, to be protected and cherished and spoken of and partnered with with him so that he can say, you are a woman of great faith. You are a man of great faith. You are a daughter of great faith. You are a son of great faith. And I can work with that. So thank you again, Tisa, for so always honoring the Holy Spirit and following the breadcrumbs so well to bring this message to us today. It's life-changing. It's life-changing. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.